Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I have been wanting to bring an amazing episode with therapist Kristen Howerton out from the archives. And I recently accelerated this on my queue list thanks to a listener request. This listener wrote in asking about how to handle going to an event that is important to you, but emotionally challenging. In this case, it is not only a graduate school graduation, so definitely a big deal, but the event will involve travel and a number of events that also involve the listener's ex, which they described as, quote, very painful and difficult. Being around them is really dysregulating for me. I'm grateful to this listener for reaching out and trusting me with their story and this request. They asked for practical tips for getting through emotionally complicated situations, and I think this conversation with Kristen is just jam-packed with incredible advice. Kristen Howerton is a licensed therapist who I met through the blogging world. She has a successful blog, book, and podcast under her belt, and is at present back in private practice. In the original episode, Kristen joins me as a guest co-host, meaning that we follow the same back-and-forth storytelling and tips format that Asha Dornfest and I used to do. That episode was inspired by a slew of listener requests regarding difficult relationships such as friendship conflict, toxic family members, strained family relationships, difficult co-workers, and more. Re-listening to it was such a joy because I adore Kristen, and it was so educational to go back over all of her incredible advice. I also want to direct you to a few episodes that are related to various threads in my conversation with Kristen. First, and I'll link all of these up in the notes, there's Advocating for Your Needs at Work with Leslie Ford. This is a recent conversation in which Leslie and I talk about workplace tension and allyship, among many other things. Another episode I recommend revisiting is identifying your values regarding handling hard conversations and bringing it back to values as a tactic to keep things civil, and also reframing the abortion narrative with Gabrielle Blair. 
regarding dealing with people with different political persuasions. And finally, a mini-edit episode on toxic friendships and how to handle them. I think you will find all of these episodes really valuable after listening to this conversation with Kristen. We'll be right back. Especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, the preservation of stories is so important, especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted. And after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com edit. That's storyworth.com com slash edit to save $10 on your first purchase. People often talk about the impact of things like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrition on skin, but did you know those things impact your hair too? If you've been dealing with hair thinning, you are not alone, and Nutrafol is here to help. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I appreciate that they offer formulas tailored to different life stages, such as postpartum and menopause, as well as different lifestyles, such as plant-based diets. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol Women's Hair Growth Supplement for six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering Edit Your Life listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code EDIT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com, and use promo code EDIT. That's Nutrafol.com, using promo code EDIT. Hello, listeners. I am so excited to welcome a guest host today, the lovely Kristen Howerton. Hi, Kristen. To you. Yeah. Like we were just talking before we started how we've never talked this much before in such close succession, which has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and listeners, if you're wondering what we're talking about, um, Kristen and I today are going to talk about the very important and requested topic of how to deal with difficult people. So, Kristen, I want to serve up some scenarios that people have asked about. And then I feel like, I mean, I feel like actually, and I imagine you would agree, we could probably spend an entire episode on each of these things. But I figured we could try in a sort of rapid fire ish um, episode to kind of address Mm -hmm. like a key recommendation or two for each. How does that sound? So this is like lightning round toxic people edition. Yeah. Yeah. Like like we got to make a shirt for that. It's kind of amazing. (laughs) Okay. I'm ready. Let's go. Throw one at me. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to, and I'll like, I'll like warm us up. Right. Okay. So the first thing that we have received a lot of questions about is 
conflict resolution with friends. Um, yeah. I think, you know, and I'm sure I know you guys talk about friendship and relationships a lot on selfie too, but you know, I think friendships are challenging for people because they're so precious and you want them. And then when something bad happens, it's super stressful. So I guess I'll start. And I want to say that one thing I have realized is that friendships can have seasons and that's okay. And, you know, when I'm struggling with somebody, I found that, you know, my first line of approach with anyone is to be as direct and honest as possible. But I've also realized that sometimes people can't handle a conversation. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And that like, Time is sometimes the best medicine. And so just to share a quick anecdote, I have a a friend who goes way back, like middle school way back. We were like in each other's weddings, you know, best friends, all this stuff. And then a few years ago, she just started ghosting me and I would reach out and had no idea what was going on. And then I finally just let go and was like, you know what, it's fine or not, but I can't kind of keep reaching out. And then this summer, she actually sent me a letter, a note, and said, "Um, I would like to get together if you are open to it. And I was like, holy cow. And so I went. And of course, it turned out there were a million things going on in her life that had nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I had felt like we were in this huge raging battle. And really, it was a one-way battle. Like, nothing was even happening. So Interesting. And I've had, I don't know about you, but I've had, like, repeated things where sometimes, like, just time is really helpful to let things run its course. Yeah, I think I think that is really true. Um, and I think what is also very true is that we often just don't know what's going on in someone else's life. We make assumptions that it's about us mm-hmm. um, when really, you know, maybe someone is going through something that they're not talking about. Um, so communication is so important. Um mm-hmm. One of the things that I have decided, and I decided this when I hit my 40s, is that I was not going to deal with slash entertain passive aggressive anymore. Hmm. Um, and I'm and I'm having to follow that for myself. But I just noted that I had a lot of friends whose conflict style was very indirect, um, where they I could tell they'd be upset, but I wouldn't be sure why. Um, and then I would, because I don't like conflict clamor and um, you know. What's what's going on? What's wrong? Tap dance, try to please. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided that, you know, if someone is not going to be very direct with me, I'm not going to try to, you know, detective my way into what's going on for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's, that was yeah. interesting because there are a lot of people and I will say this, too. Americans are very socialized to be non-confrontive, indirect. And then passive aggressive, because that's what happens when we're under, you know, when we're not direct, when we um, don't just say what we feel when we go, no, it's fine. I'm fine. You know, just as a culture, this is fascinating to me. So, so. okay. Okay. So then how do you deal with that? Like, what do you, And I, when I say Americans, I mean, honestly, it's mostly white Americans. Mm -hmm. I, I have found um, that, you know, my African-American friends are much more direct. My Latina friends are much more direct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think white Americans tend to be like, there's just these weird social rules where even sometimes stating facts is considered rude. You know, mm-hmm. like if I said to a friend like, oh, yeah, um, I, I I missed going to this because I was waiting for you and then you didn't show. Like, that's the thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That 
me directly stating a fact that happened would be like, oh, right. Yeah, right, right. We we're just we're funny. Americans are funny. So um, I think learning to be direct is difficult. And then learning to be direct and then dealing with friends that, you know, who don't appreciate that is also difficult. Yeah. Well, I imagine um, because if you as you were saying, so if you're a person who is like, that's just not your jam and somebody come somebody like me comes at you with like the direct sauce that they're probably yeah. like, ah, this is really yeah. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It can be. It can be very uncomfortable. You know, so I think it's like it's it's that fine line between figuring out how we can communicate our needs and our feelings clearly, but then not put other people on the defense. And of course, a lot of that is just going back to your basic communication skills, using I statements, not being shaming, um, talking about things before they blow up, because what tends to happen in communication patterns that are less direct and more passive aggressive, what tends to happen is we still have feelings. We still get upset. It's not that we don't get upset, but we hold it in and then something will happen. And, you know, maybe it's a moment of opportunity, a fight or a, a stress point, And then we'll just let it all out all at once. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you and I, and you know, um, or it's like a pressure valve. and and we end up communicating, but it's in inopportune ways and unhealthy ways. Um, so I think learning how to communicate in time, in a timely way, in a respectful way, in a way that doesn't put other people on the defense is really important. Yeah. Well, so let's um, can just as kind of communication 101, can you just give uh, listeners an example of a good I statement, right? You, yeah. you mentioned that before, but I just think like sometimes yeah. like the action, I, I find in a lot of the work I do that a lot of people are like, oh my God, tell me exactly what to say. <laughs> yep. Okay. So let's say that you have a friend who has flaked on plans three times in a row mm-hmm. and your feelings are hurt about it mm-hmm. and you want to communicate that. So a way to communicate that, a, a negative way would be you're always late. Mm-hmm. A positive way framing in an I statement would be I'm feeling a little hurt about you being late. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling it's starting with the, my feeling about a situation, not you, but I. Yeah. And that immediately is like takes away the feeling of attack. You know, like if you're yes. saying starting something with you. OK, that's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, And I think you can also preface it. I mean, sometimes, you know, this is a psychological technique, too, but sometimes prescribing a problem can actually neutralize the problem. So you might start with, I feel nervous to bring this up with you because I'm nervous that it could affect our friendship if I'm direct or that, you know, Mm, you could mm -hmm. feel frustrated with me for bringing it up and then pull away from me. You know, so you can you can start with those fears. You know, the more human that we make ourselves with 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 most people. I mean, this may not be true with, you know, sociopaths, but (laughs) with probably most of your friend the more human and the more feeling attuned you can come to a conversation, that vulnerability is usually respected. Yeah, I actually find it's extremely useful. And I, I use it often maybe because even as a person of words, sometimes I just don't have the words. Like I, I will start a conversation saying, I don't even know if this is going to come out right because I can't. I'm struggling mm-hmm. with this, you know, yes, but here's what I'm thinking. And, and that yeah. is like a really it's definitely that. Yeah, I think there's something that vulnerability really helps kind of 
show that it's, you know, this is a conversation. So totally. Wow. Okay. So, all right. I want to move on to one of my favorite topics, haha, is dealing with <laughs> toxic family members. And we have yeah. gotten a lot of inquiries about this. Uh, as I said, again, this could be its own episode, but what's like a key tactic, you know, that you would recommend, you know, if somebody is like, oh my gosh, this toxic family member, I have to see them, but mm-hmm. they're toxic. What do I do about it? Yeah. I mean, it sounds trite, but really boundaries. I mean, boundaries is the big one. Um, so boundaries looks like, um, and, and a boundary is not controlling someone else. A boundary is letting someone else know what you find acceptable and what you will do if you're in a situation where unacceptable behavior is given to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a, a boundary is not, hey, mom, you can't talk about politics. But a boundary might be, mom, if you talk about politics during our Thanksgiving dinner, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you see how that's different? Mm-hmm. It's, it, I'm stating what I'm going to do. You can talk about politics, but I'm going to leave. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I I can't um I can't plus one this one enough. I mean, this is what this is the <laughs> this is the key one for me too and um you know, I I think I've sort of like loosely, you know, mentioned it in the past, but I I have one um, you know, brother with whom I'm estranged and um uh-huh. there are some real issues there. Um and so we as a family, my husband John and I who you know is also a therapist, so we think about lots of things, but um you know, we had like several years where we were just holding our boundaries. We had to like keep things really protective. And the rest of my family basically told me I was being too difficult. And and I was like, no, sorry. And, you know, this is I mean, I get it. Like my family had a lot of chaos. It's very enmeshed, you know, my family of origin. So I get it. Like people just want things to be easier. But um it's interesting because, you know, I had mentioned how time sometimes is very telling, you know, when we were talking about friendships. But now, like a few years down the pike, people are coming around and are like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I bring this up because, you know, sometimes you have to just stay really steady with those boundaries. And it may may take like time or or maybe it won't take any time for, you know, people to really understand and respect them. Yeah. And I think, you know. Other things, too, especially when you're dealing with family, um, I find it is better when you have someone really toxic in the family, which I also do, mm-hmm. um, go to neutral places. So spend your time together um, at a restaurant instead of at someone's house. Mm-hmm. Spend your time together. Like, I have some relatives, to be honest, with whom really the best way for me to connect with them is to go to a movie where mm. no one's talking, mm. you know? And I don't love that it's like that, but parallel play. You know, (laughs) it lasts into adulthood. (laughs) It does. You know, so you go and you do things that are not not so much maybe about sitting around someone's table, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is, you know, the kind of Norman Rockwell dream we all have for family. But not all of us have Norman Rockwell families. Yeah. Well, it was such a relief to me when we were talking on selfie on the self-care and introversion episode when I was like. Oh my gosh, you know, my family loves the like nine plus hour family get together and I feel like yes. I'm going crazy and you were like, oh my God, me too. I'm like, okay, so I'm not like totally nuts. <laughs> yeah. And if you have difficult relationships with parents, I think it is good to lim- or, or brothers or siblings, it's good to limit the time. It's mm-hmm. good. It's really smart 
to have an out, you know, to have a hard stop. And sometimes you create those hard stops, you know, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you create a meeting that happens at the end of it, <laughs> you know, or an obligation or a doctor's appointment or something. Um, and then I also think, you know, in this day and age, and it's weird to talk about, but you need social media boundaries with your family because Facebook is, I think, single-handedly responsible for a lot of tension between parents and children. Ah, okay. All right. So when you're posting, sorry, I don't mean to take us too off track, but when you're posting, are you like, do you have like circles set up or whatever? And like only certain people will see certain things, that kind of thing. Is that what you Um, mean? You know, I I don't. Um, what I have had to do is unfriend certain family members. Okay. Um, because of their argumentativeness with the things that I post and because of how offensive I find the things that they post, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. particularly for me around issues of race, um, issues of immigration. I mean, I have one close family member in particular who is in my opinion, so offensive on Facebook. I just, I had to block. Mm-hmm. I I can't be in relationship um, and continue to see that kind of stuff said. Um, so I, you know, I do have a, a close re- parent relationship where I am pretty estranged mm-hmm. and the time that we do spend together is exactly how I described it is. I'll go out to eat when we visit. Um, we will go to movies we will go to activities or events mm-hmm. and there is, and there is under no circumstance going to be a conversation about race or politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. I think that's, I think that's good. And I wanted to add, you know, one more thing before we kind of move on to the next scenario, but, which is that uh, I kind of like this as a little side pro tip, but John and I also have a tap out single signal. <laughs> Mm, so we really t- smart yeah we tend to be very like okay we're gonna spend two hours at that this thing yeah. and that's it and we're really good about that but if if something is escalating and we need to like yep. pull the ejector button like we literally have to like tap on the nose kind of like okay we're out of here <laughs> i love that oh my gosh i need that yeah it's <laughs> very smart i'm just gonna <laughs> walk around with a tap out button uh-huh um, okay, so we're talking about families, and um, so we have received some requests. There's a lot of, um, you know, sandwich generation <laughs> listeners, yeah. um, you know, and I'm in that bucket too. But the question was how to deal with strained family relationships when it involves caregiving of your parent. And I guess I'm going to, I wanted to just jump right in on this one because I'm living this right now. <laughs> My mom just had heart surgery, and I have six siblings, as you know, and it, you know, anything around our parents has always created a lot of feelings and emotions. Um, So I learned this time around or have learned that sometimes it's really good to let people assume the roles they're really strong at, like assuming it's in Mm -hmm. the best interest of the person who needs care. So my little example of this is that um, my, my mom had the surgery and the same week, like her rental unit needed to be fixed up and painted and everything for new renters. Of course, this was all happening the same week. It was totally chaotic. And, you know, I was ready to throw money at the problem and hire painters. <laughs> but one of my uh-huh. siblings, yeah, one of my siblings who was really good at this stuff is like, no, I want to like go in and paint and do all this stuff. I'm like, okay. So I walked into painting day and I d- said to myself, I was like, you know what? You know, my sister really likes to be the alpha dog. And that's fine. And so I'm going to just assume a really subservient role and it's going to be great and everyone's going to be happy. And so I literally walked in and was like, 
hey, you're the boss. I know you have a plan. Just boss me around all day and tell me what to do. I'm here. I'm ready for it. And I was in the right mindset for it too. I wasn't just rolling Uh over and like taking it, but it worked out so great. (laughs) And and, smart. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, this is a good learning for me moving forward. You know, I have strengths in other areas and things I'm going to feel strongly about. But in this particular instance, I'm going to like just let her do her thing in the role that she really enjoys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's very, very smart. Um, And, you know, it's it can be really difficult when relationships move over into that sort of caretaking for parents role. If you've had a strained or estranged or toxic relationship, that's Mm -hmm. really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am I'm staring that down here pretty soon. I think if you have a really strained or toxic relationship with a parent, it's important to talk in advance about what caretaking is going to look like. because generally speaking, you know, when you have toxic parents, they have really poor boundaries. Yeah, um, right. And I have seen friends be just really almost mistreated um, by parents um, in that scenario. So I think it's really important to talk in advance about what, you know, what each stage of life is going to look like mm-hmm. um, and what help you can give. Um, what I've had to do, unfortunately, in in one of my parent relationships is outline like what kind of money they need to be saving, mm-hmm. you know, and what I will or won't do if they continue to, let's say, live off refinancing their house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order to live extravagantly and then, you know, find themselves in a difficult oh, no. situation, you know. So yeah. those are some of the hard conversations we have to have with parents who are difficult. Yeah. And it's occurring to me as you bring up these specific examples that I think part of what makes uh, sandwich generation caregiving all this stuff so much harder is because it forces people to talk about some stuff they're really uncomfortable talking about, like money. Money is so taboo. Uh, Estate planning. (laughs) Yep. I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about that. And um, and those are just Oh, my gosh. It is amazing to me how difficult it is for people to talk about those things. Yeah, it's really difficult. And like I have I have one parent who I've had to say to you will never live with me. And it it feels terrible to say that I'm a very compassionate person. um, But because of the issues that are in that relationship Mm -hmm. um, and this is not true for my other parent, but I do have one parent where it's like, I know this cannot happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that parent has lived with both of my other siblings for periods of time and they've both had fallouts from that. Oh, so yeah. that's really difficult. But those are the conversations we're having is like, you can't live with any of us. Mm-hmm. Like you've, you know, you've, you've kind of blown that potential. Yeah. Um, that option by, is out. <laughs> right. And so that, you know, if that's off the table, we need to talk seriously about what, what those hard years look like. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Which is difficult. And, you know, I will say this boundaries with family there. Nothing makes you feel quite as crappy. You know, it's true. It's true. Because you really just the joke around my family, too. There's this Chinese restaurant that we sometimes go to. And one of the dishes is literally called Happy Family. And it is the dish my mom Uh, will always order. That's that's all she wants. (laughs) She just wants it to be happy. Yeah. All right. Well, we have covered some serious ground and Kristen and I have a lot more to talk about, actually. And we will do that after a quick break. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you struggle with boundaries and the general complexities of peopling? Relationships are necessary to our well-being and some relationships are just, well, complicated. A good chunk of the work I have done in therapy centers on relationships, how to own my part of the story, how to let go of relationships that are toxic, and how to navigate challenging relationships in a way that doesn't drain me. And all of this work helps me show up better for myself and also as a partner, mom, friend, family member, and business owner. If you're thinking of starting therapy, check out BetterHelp. This online therapy platform was designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Okay, friends, we are back with the lovely Kristen Howerton, and we're talking about Deal with difficult people. And let's jump into difficult coworkers. Um, this is something we've heard from a lot of people. We have a lot of people in office jobs and work out of home, all different configurations. And I guess, you know, I have been out of the traditional, you know, in office workforce for some time now, but pretty much in all the working environments I've been in, I have found that it's impossible to make difficult coworkers go away. Try as I might. <laughs> Yes. So, <laughs> so my recommendation would be to seek out really great coworker counterpoints. And mm-hmm. um, in my experience, that has really been like the key antidote. I mean, you can try to like not work on the same team or whatever as another coworker, but that's never guaranteed depending on what the projects are. So I just really feel like like gravitate toward the people you like, spend your lunchtime with them, you know, do whatever you can to like cancel out the toxicity. Yes, absolutely. I mean, honestly, this is why I work alone (laughs) for the most part (laughs) and have worked alone most of my adult life. I love it. Um, But, you know, inevitably you have to work with people and there have been personalities that I've worked really well with and there's Mm -hmm. been personalities that I have not worked well with. Um, I think a couple tips for working with difficult people. One is try to do more communication in writing. Mm-hmm. than in person, especially if it's a particularly toxic person, because then you have a paper chain of what's been said. Mm-hmm. So there's no he said, she said, everything is in writing. No one can feign ignorance or change history, you know. 
I love it. Um, yes. And then I, I think another thing, and you've kind of alluded to this too, is draw in other people, you know? So if, if there's a particularly difficult person and you get put on a project with them, you know, maybe like a, Hey, could we have Lisa work on this with us too? Oh like, yeah. You know, <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, draw, draw in other people, widen the circle. Um, and then again, I just think being direct, you know, I mean, the workplace is no place for, you know, passive aggressive, indirect beating around the bush. Like you just have to be very direct in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, you know, it occurred to me and Asha and I've talked about this before, but at one point I kind of picked my head up and realized I was like, wow, in all the different projects that I have sort of started or been working on in the last like 13 years since leaving academics, like almost all of them, the only exception being my husband have been with women. <laughs> So, I mean, that's been, yeah, that's been like the cool thing is crafting when you get to craft your work team. It's, you know, it doesn't mean it's always perfect. There are always going to be issues, but it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty awesome place to get to. I completely agree. Yeah. All right. Well, so we have touched on this a little bit already, but I feel like you are the master person to talk to about how to deal with difficult people in relation to different different political views. I mean, do you even have a playbook for this? Like I I it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, what I always try to get back to is shared values. Mm. Because I think most of the time humans have shared values. They want safety for their children, they want peace in the country, you know, They want people to have jobs. I mean, you know, I think even if not all of the same core values line up, because I also I have a core value for diversity and for social justice, and not everyone's going to have that. Mm -hmm. But anyone I talk to, I think I could find some core value. And it's like if you can get back to that, I think then you can talk about solutions together. For example, you know, I come from a Christian background. Um, where a lot of people are very anti-abortion, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm pro-choice, but I would bet that most of us would agree we'd like abortions to happen less often, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we'd like women not to have to have them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so you know, it's just it's always backing up, like backing up from the issue and looking at the value, and then seeing where you can find inroads together, mm-hmm. you know, of like. Mm-hmm wow, you know, we'd, we'd both like women not to have to be in an unplanned pregnancy. So what, you know, how, how does that play out for you politically? How is that, does that play out for me politically? I think we can understand each other's views a little bit more if we back up into the core value. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, another important piece that you were talking about earlier was like, sometimes you really have to like adjust the, you know, connection points with oh, people. Because I think there are people who, quite frankly, are just not going to even want to enter in that, you know, because it takes work to find that common ground. Right. That's so right. Um, that's not going to work for everybody as far as like, you know, some some people are just going to want to rant and do their thing. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that I I do uh, um, I did for a while a Facebook series with a fellow Republican friend. And yes. we tried really hard to model civil discourse. That's important to me. But I will also say that I do have kind of a threshold where if I see someone I know um, is supporting oppressive systems, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Look, like, yep. I, I just, you know, it's one thing to have a difference of opinion on the tax rate or, you know, 
But when I see people who are pro-oppression, um, that, that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah, no, I get that. Well, I wanted to, um, and I don't know if, you, how, if you'll agree with this. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this. But my recommendation on this actually is, and I think it's easier to do this perhaps like when you're behind a computer and you can like compose your thoughts and all that. But the recommendation is to kind of stay high road and like to try to, I mean, I guess it's related to yeah. yours in the, in terms of like, I guess not just going down a rabbit hole of like throwing insults at each other. And it's, totally. it's not easy. It is, can be exhausting, but um, an interesting way I've seen this play out on social media was, you know, right after the 2016 election, I had posted something about um, on my personal Facebook about, um, you know, hate sort of graffiti and things that have ha- had happened like right after the election. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, all of a sudden, all these people started jumping in. I was like, whoa, OK, that's your persuasion, you know, saying all manner of things. And I just kept it super high road, just you know, to the facts um, and was very respectful, even though I, at some points I was raging inside. And the <laughs> interesting thing that I saw happen was almost the more high road I was, the more my friends were jumping in <laughs> to my defense mm. to, and like getting all their rage out in that direction. And then they'd be, they'd private message me and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you can stay so calm. And I'm like, I'm not really calm, but I'm like projecting calm. So it was interesting, you know, an interesting exercise in seeing like that I could actually kind of keep that line of communication open as long as I stayed calm, even if the other person wasn't being calm. So it was definitely yes. more exhausting for me, but it still felt like, okay, at least we're still talking, you know? Yes. Yeah, and I complete I completely agree with you on that. You have to stay high road when you get into name calling and accusations. It's just not productive at all. And you know, I would I would think that you know, if you're talking politics, I would think that the point of it is that you want to persuade the person that you're talking to, you know, to your own point of view, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that is certainly true for me. Um, and if I'm talking to someone and I'm just putting them on the defense, then I'm not actually doing anything effective, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not at all. Then I, then we're just arguing, you know, yeah. whereas I actually, you know, I, I have some, I don't know, maybe more um, extreme views than other friends. And so I, I want them to understand, like, why do I believe in national health care? You know, I just don't I don't want to just sit there and say, like, well, you're you lack compassion for everyone, right. or, you know. You're just yeah. That selfish. doesn't usually go over well, <laughs> right? You're just selfish and privileged. No, I I actually I want I actually want to maybe I won't persuade them, but I want to explain my point of view in a respectful way. And the only way to do that is taking the high road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, anything else on this particular topic before we move on to our last scenario? Well, I also just believe in the mute button on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, the mute button on Facebook, not just for political situations, but I have to admit that I I have a couple of relatives who, you know, like, you know how like you take when you're trying to take a selfie sometimes like a glamour selfie, you might take like 20 to get one that you like. Oh, and I have I have a couple of cousins who they'll post the entire series of them, like one after the other in separate status updates. And I was like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) That's too much. Those and, ratios are off. Yeah, it's just really <laughs> off. All right. Well, our last scenario was, you know, it's funny. I read it and I was like, wow, I would not have predicted this to come up. But of course, this happens to people. But the request was how to react less to people who are pretentious 
but yet still in your circle of connections. I thought that was interesting. And my recommendation here would be, this is not particularly eloquent, but to remember that pretentious people, they still carry a crap bag. And so I have just, I've had a number of frustrating moments with people who fit this description. And I think um, the most effective thing has been to just like have try to hold empathy and remember that their pretentious behavior is probably coming from a point of pain or cluelessness, you know, both of which will not serve them well in life. And so I just kind of try to stay that mindset. What is your thought on this? I completely agree. I mean, you know, the root of narcissism is deep shame and insecurity. Mm, Okay. It doesn't make it any Mm -hmm. easier to deal with. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't neutralize um, how annoying it is to be around those people. But if we can, as you said, hold some empathy and remember they are doing this, they're behaving this way. The bragging, the pretentiousness is really a front to mask deep shame and insecurity. Mm. You know, you don't behave like that if you feel okay about yourself. You know, you don't have a need. Yeah. Well, can I put you on the spot and ask? So in a, you know, at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about I I statements, right? But so like in a situation where you have somebody who's going on and on about themselves, do you find a way to just kind of like shut down the conversation or do you just kind of like tune out and let them do their thing? I'm genuinely curious about. I would change topics. Okay. Yeah. I was, I would, I would just, okay. Get, you know, I, I would change topics. I would say, okay, let's, let's get back to whatever the topic at, at hand is. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, is there anything that we missed? Like any major communication tactic that I feel like we covered a lot. Um, but if there's anything general that you feel like we should have talked about, um, you know, you know, the one thing I will say is, you know, if you're listening to this and you are recognizing that you are in relationships with some really toxic people, not just your run of the mill annoying, but like someone who's actually toxic, someone who maybe has narcissistic personality disorder, um, I would just recommend that you really read up on that mm-hmm. and um, read up on how to be a person in relationship with someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some good books out there on it. Um, there's a great website called Out of the Fog. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I would just say, you know, if you are dealing with toxic people, that you read read up specifically on dealing with toxic people. Because there's a lot of good literature out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will uh, email you for some recs on that because I would love to share those in the notes with people. All right, Kristen. Well, at the end of each episode, Asha and I share something that we call your next edit, which is, you know, something really practical and tactical people can like take away and take action on. Um, And so I guess I'll just jump in and say that my your next edit for this episode is to identify I don't know, three to five really wonderful people in your life, because this is sort of like my coworker recommendation. But I find that when you're dealing with really difficult people, reaching out to or even just thinking about people who give you kind of light and strength and happiness is just super powerful. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. I feel like I should make a gallery wall in my in my (laughs) in my office of like (laughs) my wonderful people board or something. Um. Kristen, what's your next edit for this episode? Mine is to learn your Enneagram number Mm -hmm. and learn the Enneagram number of the people in your inner circle, um, especially your friends, because I think, um, and if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, we actually did a couple episodes 
about it on Selfie, but it is a personality typing system that really more explains your inner motivations. And when you can learn that about your friends and learn, okay, what is it that they need in interactions? I think you have more compassion. I think you have more patience and you can approach them in conflict in ways that are more productive. It's been really helpful for me. My really close tribe of friends, we all know our numbers. I am That's top of mind when I'm interacting with them. Um, it's just really helpful for um, interpersonal conflict management and just deepening friendships and relationships. Kristen, thank you again for being uh, a guest here. This was such a delight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Friends, wasn't that amazing. I feel like Kristen offers a masterclass in communication. I am so grateful to have her words ringing in my ears, and I hope this was helpful to you. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.